music, music, music. Welcome back to the Masters of Modern, the MMCast podcast. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with his co-hosts, Ben Bateman. His co-host? Are we talking Alex Kessler in third person now? Is that what this podcast has become? He's become too big for the podcast, guys. No, I'm I'm now like <laughs> 90s action figure uh, commercial voice man. Welcome to the MMCast with ultimate punching action and $33 per... Well, I don't know. I don't know what things... <sighs> It is <laughs> 48 seconds in and we are already off the rails. All right. Uh, <laughs> welcome. For those who don't know, we are a podcast release every Monday night. We do modern content tonight. We were talking about a bunch of announcements that came out last week by Wizards uh, about the whole schedule of content and product that is coming out this year. Our thoughts on it, what we think it means for modern and all of all of all of the things uh, involving the year 2022 and the end of 2021. It's been a long year. We're on our on our path. But uh, hello and welcome to the podcast. Yeah. Welcome, guys. It's been a. Uh... Definitely kind of a wild year. It's it's fun to be getting back into a place where we can now consistently with our vaccinated friends go play magic, which I've been really enjoying doing. And uh, I just reorganized my magic closet. And uh, I'll tell you one of my favorite things that, that happens to me sometimes. And I wonder if the same thing happens to you where you go to do a quick reorganization and you come across a little pocket and you're like, oh, yeah, I remember when I opened those packs. Crazy. I have this card or like, oh, that's right. I bought this and just like plan to do something with it. Never did. And here it is. It's like. It's a really exciting find. I, I definitely think that my brain uh, forgets about magic purchases pretty often. They just, you know, they, they're not out laid out on a table all the time. And mm -hmm. because when we play and we do like online stuff, I'm so willing to proxy. I found four things today while I was going through my stuff that I was like, oh, I like recently proxied this. This is great. <laughs> I'm so happy I have this card. I'll throw mm -hmm. this in the deck. Right, right, right. It's it's. And so, yeah, it's been an interesting year of like purchasing and like, what do you own? What do you, and for you, especially where you like, definitely, well, that's like the weird thing about magic always, right? Like when you're like, oh, I have, I have like 50 serum visions from when I used to draft that set that were all garbage at the time. Cause they were worse than other options that were available, but now they are worth $10 each or like, yeah, like gut shots or, you know, like being a $5 uncommon at a time it was worth five cents. So you like forget that it's in a box or you like, like I've like, I am proxied my cube or I, I like we were, we used my like uncommon cube cause it wasn't worth very much when we were proxying up uh, battle bosses and like I unproxied it cause I like wanted to see what was in it. It was like, oh, there's like $20 uncommons <laughs> that like when we sleeve this up were worthless. But now because like 10 years late, you know, five years later, it's become a, uh, uh, like an expensive uncommon that you have to be able to find. I actually think it's one of probably the coolest things about magic secondary economy that I appreciate so much is that if you consistently buy magic cards, if you draft, uh, if you buy boxes, if you buy singles even, and you just sit on your collection, you'll know the big cards. Cause like you probably paid a lot for them. They're probably still worth a lot of money, but everything mid tier and below is so volatile over time. It's very hard to sell out unless you sell everything you own. If you just sell your expensive stuff because you like need money, mm -hmm. you'll probably over time find that there's just stuff sitting around that's worth $10, $15, $30. I told you I was looking through the other day like an uncommons box and I was like, carpet of flowers. I was like, this has been in this box for like nine years. Is this worth something? And it's like $30, right? Right. right. Just like I just have one of those in a box that I like have never even looked twice at. Right. Or like Amulet of Vigor, right? Like that card or it was worthless forever because it didn't do anything. And then it became, a you know, Everyone realized, like, oh, wait, it's powerful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, definitely one of the coolest things about it. But as you mentioned, it's definitely a lot of fun getting back to it. And a lot of sets have been coming out. 
um, a tremendous number of uh, you know announcements, new product, all kinds of cool things. And so uh, the last few weeks, we've been talking about banning stuff, uh, unbanning, you know, the possibility of what a no ban list modern would look like. Could a temporary ban list exist? And then a whole bunch of stuff happened uh, this last week. Uh, really cool announcements, big announcements, and we just have a lot of stuff to break down tonight on the show. But before we get into that, uh, we've been doing a new tradition, and it's about hitting that like button. But you don't have to. We're just going to trick you into it, and that's with trivia. So basically, we're going to ask you a question, and if you get it right, and you just, you're going to comment below your answer uh, before before we finish, and then Ben's going to try and give his best answer, and then you are going to see if you got it right as I give you the correct answer. And if you get it right, you don't have to do anything. If you want to hit the like button, that's great we appreciate it but no but if you get it wrong you have to hit the like button just like the that's the bet we're making between us and you right now against your will <laughs> um, and the trivia question for tonight is in what year did modern become a legal format benjamin what year did modern become a legal format yeah, okay yeah this is yeah. this is this plays to my strengths i tend to be pretty good at years uh i moved to los angeles in 2009 I started playing Magic in an environment where I met you and our friend Eric in 2010. I was playing Modern within a year of that. So the question is if it was legalized in 2010, 11, or 12. 12 seems a little late. It's possible that Fall Pro Tour, it wasn't a legal format yet, but they ran it as a format for the Pro Tour before they legalized it. I'll bet you it's 2011. That would be, my gut tells me it's 2011 Fall. Is that a is that your your final answer? I think my final answer is 2011. That is correct. It was 2011. It is it is the 10 year anniversary right now uh, of modern. Next month will be that pro tour. Ten last years. Yeah, yeah. This That's is a 10 year old format. I know. Is, are we doing a 10 year anniversary of modern next next month? I imagine we probably are. That yeah, seems yeah. Like we'll a do like episode. Yeah, we'll do like a whole 10. Yeah, for sure. It'll also be like our like seventh year anniversary like something also wild yeah we've done this podcast for a long time yeah yeah, yeah. i spent more hours on this podcast with you than i probably spent doing lots of things in my life that are very important to me would be my guess yeah that's fair <laughs> i mean I've, this podcast is very important i've spent so. more time on this podcast in the last seven years than exercising in the last 15 years it's a, it's a good, it's a, it's a good, it's a good metric, and it's something you should be proud of. I don't think um, that's true, um, but yeah. So that's the answer. So if you got it right, uh, congratulations. Uh, you don't have to hit the like button, but you can. Uh, but if you got it wrong, I'm sorry. You're now obligated. You got to hit that. You should have known better. You should have known like it's button. the 10 year. Everyone was talking about it. it was the 10 year anniversary all over the internet like three weeks ago. So you should have remembered. I'm sorry, but you have to hit the like button. All right. <laughs> uh, oh, and by the way, the answer. Well, I guess we said it. The answer was green. Thank you for everyone who got it right. Congratulations. Um, uh, the good job on knowing it was the angel. I will say, I do think it's possible to get a green angel in Innistrad this year. Uh, really quickly, uh, if you don't want to be a patron, even if you're a patron, down below there's a TCG player link. If you click on it, TCG player just remembers you sent us. You don't have to buy anything right now. Just clicking on the link allows them to remember that we are the ones that sent you their way. And if you buy something from TCG player in the future, which is a great place to buy cards, uh, they'll they'll help us out. So you just doesn't cost you anything. They just remember that you came from us and it helps us out. So definitely check that link below. Uh, it's a big help to the podcast as well. All right. Uh, speaking of Innistrad, that's what's coming up next. That's 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 the first thing. But but basically, what happened is there was a big show. Um, Joe and Jimmy, both friends of the cast, uh, were uh, kind of hosted this big reveal of a bunch of different content. It's super exciting. 
Now, one thing I do have an ask, and this is kind of something that was a big response, because like there was kind of this weird vibe during the announcement that was half negative, half positive. And I think the negative was a little bit of this idea of product fatigue. And it's kind of an interesting thing because at the moment, we're actually at one of the largest gaps where there isn't really a product release happening uh, in a long time. And part, but as this is happening, we're getting the hype for industry going on, but all of this is on schedule, right? If this was five years ago, we'd be at Comic-Con, Mark Rosewater, and we would have been at Comic-Con three weeks ago, and Mark Rosewater and Doug Bayer would be doing a panel where they would be breaking down all of the world building for Innistrad. Uh, And then a week from now, we would be going to PAX and they were doing their big PAX party, their big reveal. And that's when they would have revealed all of the main mechanics. Uh, that's when I was there for the, the, the Eldrazi one. They revealed all of the lands, et cetera, et cetera. So we're like kind of sitting in that world where this is when they're supposed to be building hype. But with the quantity of releases and the quantity of release scheduled and like especially for content creators where it's like there was a period of time that it felt like we were just our podcast became the product review show. And to the extent a few that we years cel- ago, yeah, we did we did a lot of them. Yeah, we kind of celebrated that we only did one episode of reviews for um, Magic and you know uh, uh, Magic in the Forgotten Realms. So it, how, do you feel that fatigue? Do you feel like there's a product fatigue for you, or do you feel like you know how do, how do you kind of see this product release schedule and how it affects you? Um, I think what's interesting about the product release schedule is that it really it really relates to different types of players very differently. I would consider myself on the pretty high end of awareness and somebody who plays and buys product or at the very least, like buys the product and interacts with the product. You know, I look at every spoiler, right? I'm aware of every single card that comes out. So I think that for somebody like myself, um, there's not too much product to keep up with. Right. That's that's the first thing I can say. If you're if if your goal as somebody who loves magic is to be aware of all the products and all the cards and you want to talk about them and you want to talk about them with your friends and think about which which product you're gonna buy. Cause like, let's face it, most most players cannot afford to buy at the very least every single product or or really like a, a large quantity of every product. Like I I certainly can't buy large quantities of every single magic product. There's so many. Um, so you, you know, you look at the products as they come out, you get excited about them. You want to react to the design and the packaging. You want to react to the new cards. In that sense, I think we're just fine. You and I get to talk about lots of new cards all the time. We get to come up with new concepts and new interactions. I think that's really cool. I even like all the expansive, uh, whether like the premium products that come out, you know, secret, secret layers and things like that. If you're somebody who's not like us though, and you're not completely connected to the heartbeat of magic, so you're paying attention to every release, I do think it's a little overwhelming. Um, now, the, the flip side of that, the sort of devil's advocate, is that all those premium products I talked about, anything that's a premium release, a re-release, a foil product, doesn't matter to you if you're that casual person. It doesn't. It's not a new product that you're missing where there's a new piece of magic that you're not interacting with. It's just a premium version of something else that's already out there. For instance, the fact that there are three different kinds of boosters that we can buy. The casual person who buys a magic pack doesn't care. I mean, they care because they want to know which one to buy, but they're not missing something by not knowing which one to buy. They're still going to be happy with whichever yeah. one they buy because they're great. The only the so, only problem with that is is if like someone accidentally buys set boosters to draft with, right, or 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 whatever. But otherwise, correct. Yeah, but I mean, we've been chaos drafts with dumb packs for years, and they're still super fun. So even even to that end, if you drafted with set boosters, it would probably still be fun. Honestly, uh, the way. The way they are made, I don't think they would work very well for limited because they're all like one color. They're all like thematically very siloed. That's um, fair. That's fair. 
But yeah, my, yeah. My, my, my point is that in chaos, I they're better because it doesn't matter. But in, in like if you're trying to do like three packs of a set booster, I don't think it works. But yeah, continue. I think continue. from the perspective of being the, the sort of that mid tier, that mid tier magic uh, person, I don't think that there being the number of products there are right now is a bad thing. I actually think it's fine. It means that when you go to the store, there will probably always be something new um, or, or, or something coming soon or that's like there will always be something exciting. Um, so I think the answer to my answer to your question is I, I feel pretty good about it. If I was somebody who wanted to buy like a, like a significant amount of every product so that I could own kind of play sets of everything, it might feel a little taxing. If I was that person, there's a lot of products, right? Like, yeah, I think, I think, I think there's three issues. I think one is magic existed in a framework where every single set was designed for, every player to interact with it for a long time. And and by that, there was only four sets that would come out of a year. And then there was like beginner product that people didn't really need to pay attention to, but it was all reprints. And there was maybe an off the wall format every summer. Uh, and then for a while it became that plus a commander product every fall. And like, that was pretty easy for a, all the commander product was really easy for most people to ignore. Cause most people can either are you either are a commander player or you're not. And a lot of people at that, most people were not commander players at that point. And I think that all of the other sets, you know, kind of were fitting in that frame or you just had to invest in standard. And what's happened is two things have happened. Wizards has started designing product for a wide variety of players. And so there is now a set that is more of a full set that's good for limited and commander players, but maybe not standard players. Or there's a set that's good for modern players and franchise players and commander players. And there's a set for standard and there's a set for um, unglued enthusiasts. And then and, and now there's secret layers for people that like super fancy versions of cards, but or they want reprints of cards that are easy to purchase. So like there's all of these different angles of attack and people didn't adjust healthily, I think, to not having to buy everything. Right. Like there, there was there was a moment where everyone didn't realize, oh, I don't need to buy every secret layer or or oh, I don't I don't need. I like might need a few commander staples for modern horizons, but I don't need to buy into it. I don't need to play that. The other problem is that wizards is very good at its job. And this is, yeah. I think is one of the issues. And so they keep making fun stuff, right? Like, like modern horizons limited is fun. Time spiral remastered limited is super fun. You look yeah. at, you look at uh commander legends limited, super fun. So like, because limited is one of the most accessible ways of playing magic, and they put so much effort into that type of format being fun to play. You have that problem, which I think is they're creating a lot of really fun experiences that people want to try, but then don't get to or can't afford to. And I think that's where some of the fatigue is getting. It's also hard. I think I think the commander sets coming out and previewing alongside the sets that they're attached to. And Ben spilling his drink all over himself. It wasn't both my, caused... it wasn't spilling. It was that the coaster stayed attached and it uh, fell off. So that's that's my, what I'm I'm actually going to propose. I think they should detach, like Ben detached his coaster from his drink, or was unable to, but maybe should do before picking up his glass. Uh, they should detach the coaster that is the commander product away from the set that is the product set and is your drink, so that you can have the them be a little bit delayed. No, uh, but <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice try on your metaphor. You completely lost. 
lost me. No, so, so yeah, I know. So, but the idea is, <laughs> is I think that we need like a month between sets and commander products of that are related. And and the problem there is that there's just the next set down the run, right? Like Strixhaven came out, and by the time I really was able to like fully understand what Strixhaven was, Modern Horizons two spoilers started. And then Modern Horizon 2 came out. And by the time I was really able to even get Modern Horizons 2 cards that I bought online into my hands, uh, the 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 Forgotten Realm set came out. Was com- Spoilers were coming out. So I wasn't even playing with Modern Horizons cards by the time that I was paying attention to the spoiler seasons of Forgotten Realms. And that, I think, is where that fatigue comes from. What's interesting to me is people kind of were really harping on that going into this announcement yesterday. But nothing from the announcement was that surprising. Like that—that that was the one thing that I was like, like, kind of flabbergasted by. Like, like wasn't the, the announcement just like act, but same timeline, normal number of products? Just they just announced the new product. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, literally, like, 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 like <laughs> we have the two Innistrad sets. One of them is additional, but it was during a huge gap year that we've had other products fill that space in before. And Commander Legends was that was that last year. Then they announced the like double feature packs, which are going to be a limited release drafting format that is a bunch of new artwork, but it's all of the sit. It's both packs combined. It's both sets. So you can do all because like it's basically realize, you know what? You know what? A lot of people are going to try doing. They're going to try drafting in a straw block. Why don't we just sell packs that are that right? So it's basically they're releasing in a stride remastered essentially in return number three remastered uh, just to give that limited experience and make it flatter i think because otherwise you'd have to wait it one way or the other um and they feel like they like tried that and realized that that was unfun so they had to come up with a solution then they were going to kamigawa uh for neon uh kamigawa neon dynasty uh there's a lot of trepidation on like how wizards is going to handle the cultural issues but they've said a lot of the right things and that they've been dealing with a lot of people um of Japanese descent. Uh, they're dealing with a lot of people that like it as consultants in that world to help make sure they didn't do anything that would maybe be problematic. And then it's on the other interesting, uh, go ahead. Sorry. I'll, I'll speak on that in a moment. Keep going. Yeah. yeah. And, and then on the other hand, it, it ends up being like, this was leaked a year ago. <laughs> we like had a moment where like they, the, the neon dynasty, Kamigawa neon dynasty was caught in the trademark registration. And then on top of that, they sent out a questionnaire that got leaked to the public that had artwork and character descriptions talking about characters on this plane with the name being mentioned. <laughs> so like we knew this set was coming out. I think what's so interesting about the Kamigawa thing, and this is, it's kind of a symptom actually very similar to something you're familiar with, which is the prequels in Star Wars. When when a certain generation grows up with something that is great to them, even if that thing is largely hated, and let's be honest here, if you're going to go through the list of top five most hated magic sets of all time, Kamigawa's in the top five. It is a, in its time, it was a despised set. I hated that set. I was not a fan. I've never been a fan. Mm-hmm. Over the years, people have talked about more and more and more and more how much their memory of playing it was fond, how much they enjoy it. The, the, the rap on it has changed over the years, right? Slowly but surely, people have started to sort of adopt it. It shows up in reprint sets in certain areas. I think there's now, also three... Sorry, I think there's been three recontextualizations of Kamigawa block. One, one is it had a major power down because of what was mirrored in block. That was like an issue. Two, legendary as a thing matters in magic in a significantly different way as it did then right because like back then legendary was a drawback and that is all it was now it's like the most popular form of magic 
heavily relies on that as the key feature of the mechanic of 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 the format that that mechanic and because of that there's just been a bunch of more legendary tribal printed content but yeah continue continue with what you're saying so my, my point is to say i think we all knew even even me who was not a fan of that set there were certainly parts of kamigawa that i loved i i think i probably loved the same parts that a lot of people loved honestly i think that ninjas were really cool uh, I actually had some fondness for snakes. I do think the concept of splice onto arcane as a general idea is pretty cool. I think it was, you know, pretty narrow. So it was hard to sort of get beyond it when that set came out as, as the years passed. It always felt like a very hyper specific thing to that set. But now as we look back, it's like that set came out in like 2004 or something like that. Or yeah, I think 2005, maybe like, it's been 15 years plus since it came out. So all of the people who were kids and were getting into magic in their early teens, they're like my age now. They're our age. They're, they're, they, they have a whole memory of magic if they played that long that like remembers it in a way, the same way that you remember and I remember watching The Phantom Menace in a theater, even though that movie, the worst parts are trash. The worst parts are awful. But the whole memory of the sequel trilogy is that Actually, now when I look back at the experience of those movies coming out and the hype surrounding and Darth Maul and the characters, like, I love those movies. I don't think they're as good as the original trilogy, but like, I find something like absolutely redeemable about one and three 100%. And if I watched two a lot of times, I'd probably find something there also. I just don't like that movie, but I love three. Like, Sith is great. I love that movie, even though. It, I know sure. it's not that good. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think I think the contextual that that's fair. I do think there is a very small percentage of the magic community that like was a kid during Kamigawa block like that. Set, yeah, that was like famously a, a, a low point as far as the population of magic players. Ago. Yeah, yeah, not, yeah, not even a long time ago, more just like quantity of people playing the game post mirrored in Kamigawa era. One of the reasons it's considered a, a what wasn't considered a major success was because of the dip in player base at that point but that was partially because you went from Mirrodin who ruined standard for a good year by itself it was another heavy ban period similar to two years ago and or last year <laughs> two years ago yeah. uh yeah. similar to last year i guess it was like almost two years ago like it, eldrin came out two years ago so uh similar to two years ago and it was also a um like they leaned very, very heavily into being more culturally, you know, uh, 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 respectable of, of, of what they were basing it on of. So there was a lot of, a little bit harder to break into content for, for casual, especially younger players. And then add into the fact of just like mechanically legendary was super parasitic and unuseful everywhere else. Splice on the arcane was super parasitic and unuseful everywhere else. Samurai was just a, or Bushido was just a, like a reduct version of rampage, which is not like a mechanic that I'm ever going to write home about as something that's fun. Uh, Rabid wombat or like chump toad, right? Or like a chump toad or whatever is the actual card. Like you just get plus two plus two. If you're blocked is like yeah. a boring mechanic. For Sorry sure. for Bushido fans. I think like that's one of the greatest sins of Kamigawa is how boring the samurai mechanic was. Uh, and then ninjutsu was cool. And that's why they keep bringing it back. <laughs> uh, as, as And these are just purely the mechanical qualities of the mechanics. So like, I think it's just like a weird uh, uh, mechanic set. But because of just commander and other things, legendary creatures have mattered so much more specifically. I would, you could push me over with a feather if splice. And I, I guess talking about what I think is going to happen in neon com, uh, or uh, neon dynasty, like predictions. Um, I think that 
we are going to get splice back. Like splice fits so perfectly into like the hacking splice, uh, the hacking part of cyberpunk, right? Like the fa- there's no way that we don't have like, I think it's going to be on instant and sorceries. I think they're going to learn their mistake and not do arcane. And it's going to be like arcane was this old magic version of this, but that these they've been hackers since a thousand years ago because they've been splicing this whole time. And now splicing is like hacking into spells and the systems. Um, I think ninjutsu. I think I think ninjas and 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 samurai and all of those tropes are probably going to come back. I think, but I'm mostly excited about the tribes. And I think the big thing that I think is going to be cool is spirits. I think I think where modal dual face cards were the through line of last year. I think it's going to be a tribal focus this year, and I think it's going to be humans and spirits and demons. Are going I mean, to be spirits, the three? I, I I would say all three of those demons, probably the least of the three, but like. They're all very popular, and and everybody loves everybody loves tribal. Right? Well, demons like, are popular. It's not there's no tribal demon decks, but yeah, yeah there's yeah. no tribal. De- but I mean, like we played we played a game of of uh, commander on our Monday stream that we do every week on Twitch, and uh, you know one of the people we played with brought out an Urza's Incubator, and I was like, I mean, I know that's a pretty commonly played card, but like growing up for me, that was a card I loved. That's an Urza's Destiny card. I had I had that card. I like wanted to build all the tribal decks because of the fact that that card existed, mm-hmm. and like. So dating back to my earliest memories as a magic player, I definitely feel that that idea that when you when you push any tribe and you go in that direction, it's very exciting. And, you know, right. Yeah, if that's you go ahead. And, and and like with with the standard environment we're walking into a spirits were like and it links back to last year, right? Spirits were a big part of the um, the Lorehold tribe, uh, Lorehold College in 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 Strixhaven. Um, there was also spirit content on Kaldheim. And so there's not a lot of spirit stuff on Zendikar, but fine. And, but there's, I think there are some spirits in the set, but like Innistrad's obviously filled with spirits, right? That's the main blue white tribe of Innistrad and ghosts and stuff like that. And they kind of will be in both sets. Spirits were the main mechanic. That was the main tribal mechanic of Kamigawa block beyond all the classes. That was like soul shift and all that stuff, right? There's entire mechanics around it. And uh, the, the next sets, which we'll get to in a second, a new Kapina is like, I feel like there's got to be spirits there. We'll talk about that in a second, but it has. I do want to ask you really quickly before we move on, uh, and this can relate to any of the rest of the conversations. Technology and electronics in magic design, as it relates to the the various sets, is actually like a little bit more rare. They have they kind that of is a controversy. Like to, yeah, yeah. They like to dip into like the sort of like Stargate uh, that that type of sci fi where like an ancient civilization had brilliant technology, you know, like that whole thing, Wakanda, right? Like mm-hmm. they are so far advanced that the, like, like, like anything, anything that has to do with like a very, very, very deep heritage that just has to do with really advanced technology. That is fine in these stories, but like the idea of people in buildings with computers typing on keyboards is like not really a part of magic. Like it's, and I don't think that's what we're going to get. I think we're going to get like, minority report in the sense of like like there's going to be gl- or, or or kind of the the azorius right there's going to be glowing ruins on a wall and i'm going to be like using magic to like interact with what they're yeah. saying to like scan sense. a room or whatever right i think because we had some of that stuff in like there were there were magical computer screens on Cal- kaladesh, kaladesh and like an revolt yeah i was going to say that's that that's the set that when i think of Right. Like if I think of the different sets, like you have mirrored and stuff because there's like very technological stuff with those sets and sunburst and like, you know, that feels mechanical. And then you have the Kaladesh stuff. Those are the ones that really kind of jump out. But 
by and large, like tons of magic sets don't even begin to touch anything electrical unless it's like lightning, but like, you know, like, like circuit boards and computers. Well, is like- but even like, and that, this is some, so, so this was a complaint by the way of, of, of the thing is that there was kind of a heavy amount of sci-fi because we have, we have neon dynasty, we have Warhammer as commander products, and those are like mechs with guns and yeah, spaceships yeah, yeah. and swords. Uh, 40K. We have um, the unglued set that we're going to be adding on. I have a picture of it here. Infinity. Unsellable? No, no it's no, called. Un- <laughs> the last unset like blew through records. <laughs> I know. You it's all called, love it. You all it's love called Infinity, it. <laughs> and it's like a. It's like a. a uh, the Jetsons in space carnival show. Like everyone's going to the moon for a vacation in space, like a art deco space style, not art deco, but, um, and there's like, hopefully we can put like the artwork, but I'll hold this up here, but it's got like bright, vibrant colors, but it's like a space theme, uh, a Buzz Lightyear. It's like Buzz Lightyear era, turn of the century it's, sci-fi it's, it's kind of like galaxy like galaxy quest a little bit more more more, uh, honestly, I mean, in like a cheesy movie, that's terrible. Pluto Nash. <laughs> Ah, okay. a deep cut, that. like silly, silly, silly sci-fi from like the turn of the century. Uh, that was, Tomorrowland. Like a, that was like a really deep, cut. yeah, yeah, real deep cut. <laughs> like Tomorrowland at Disneyland, like ac- not the movie, but actual Disneyland Tomorrowland, like swirly okay. sci-fi, like blasters, but like they're like bulbous, like the like the uh, Marvin the Martian, uh, Space oh, like Jam, real kind of silly, corny, like the Fifth Element. I hate you. He's <laughs> <laughs> terrible. Wow. That's the hot take. Ben's coming in. Uh, comments uh, beyond just the liking trivia thing. If you could please comment about how wrong Ben is about the movie Fifth Element. He said it was terrible. That's just a blatantly false. Um, not to mention like top 10 movies, uh, favorite movies Alex of mine. So absurd. I know you're tilting me. I was had a whole point about <laughs> sci-fi. Oh, oh, okay. So, so, so we have, we have, we have that. And then also, the Fortnite thing, which we'll get into towards the end of this episode of uh, them releasing, you know, a, a secret layer with Fortnite characters uh, uh, on it, not to mention Street Fighter right. is the other one. So, like, there is this kind of vibe of, like, did they add space and sci-fi to magic? And I think from my perspective, none of this crosses the line too thoroughly. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll get into my thoughts on Warhammer and, and, and the, the secret layers and Lord of the Rings and stuff in, in, in a bit. But I think that, like especially the, especially with 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 uh Kaladesh as the framework I don't think we're going to get anything in Kamigawa Neon Dynasty that's that different than what we saw in Kaladesh I think it's just going to yeah. be a lot rainier it's going to be like the color palette of Blade Runner but <laughs> I, mean, I mean yeah Neon Dynasty definitely looks it, it looks a lot like the, the two Blade Runner movies for sure and and that genre I believe actually that genre does belong in magic. I think it's probably, I would say of all of the things about Neon Dynasty that I'm the most excited about, that's probably the number one is like, it's a genre and a color palette and a vibe that I really like. Mm -hmm. So it feels fun. The idea of having iconic magic cards come from that, that I'll be able to play, you know, years from now going forward, where like, if you go back to the very beginnings of magic, it's basically, it's hilarious that we would just say this. It's basically just Dungeons and Dragons. Right, like the original, original, like lightning bolt and fireball and all those things, and worms and dragons and angels. That's what it comes from. So the fact that we recently actually had a D and D set is sort of hilarious. But uh, I do think as there we continue to talk through yeah. the different expansions, we voiced our. We, I think it was a year or two years ago. We talked about different franchises that we wanted to see in Magic. We had a whole conversation about it, and I know you know some of the ones we've talked about 
are going to show up. But 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 like so in saying all that, like I do I do think it's interesting now as we talk more and more about this. Are you at all worried? Are you at all worried about the identity of magic starting to sort of fold into the larger identity of these IPs being the focus? Because for a month, let's say, let's say for a month that it's because right now with so many sets coming out, month, two months, that will be the focus, right? It's, that's kind of how it's been with adventures. Like we've been in D&D world and like we yes. will be in Lord of the Rings world. We'll be in Warhammer world less so because it's not a standard set. But like, so yes, are I you know. all worried about that identity of magic sort of folding into like, let's just talk Gandalf. That's more important than magic the gathering. Yeah, yes and no. So so with the magic, with the Lord of the Rings set, Warhammer, Street Fighter, etc. I, I I kind of want to have a whole conversation about that after we go through some of the other stuff, but we can we can jump in a little bit now. Uh, the release of it's going to be closer to Modern Horizons 2. I don't think like the focus on Modern Horizons 2 and the past of Magic or randomly no story real relationship to what was going on really derailed what was going on in the rest of the world. D&D more so because it was like in the standard set position, but I think that it was more of a... Um, more of a... F- it's going to be more of a detour more of like a fun like side thing as much of like a commander product releases or like did battle bond derail the brand of magic us going to like stadium world for a month i don't think so um but I, I have, do- but I have but i have but i have no familiarity as a, an ip pop culture person like it doesn't you you could tell me we're going to the to, to the ruins of you know aztec ruins to the snow it doesn't matter right like whatever you tell me that the magic set is if it's like a new thing that you're creating as magic I'm like, we're talking about that, even if it's similar to something that exists. But if you Strixhaven, for instance, which is similar. But if you tell me Dungeons and Dragons, this thing that you're not that familiar with is coming out, then all of a sudden I feel like, OK, I can invest or I can choose not to invest. And, and there are people who did not grow up with Lord of the Rings who are going to buy the set and say, I did not care. Don't watch these movies. But I don't know about them. But remember, it's more in the position of Modern Horizons 2. It's being released as a Modern Horizons 3. In fact, like it's going to be released into all the cards in it are going to be legal in Modern in Modern. Uh, that's like the big announcement we did get yesterday. But you don't have to buy it. It's not a standard set. It's not in standard. It's not going to be released in the same way that standard was. If people are interested in Lord of the Rings and want to go into it, they can get it. But it's not a part. It's like an additional. It's as a part of magic. And you have to buy packs as much as you had to buy Conspiracy or Battle Bond or Commander Legends, which is to say you don't. Now, those cards will be legal in the in formats, right? You can play them in modern. You can play them in in things. But the focus of the story of magic or the brand of magic to me, all this does is bring new players in. Now, because I don't think Dungeons, I think that's what Dungeons and Dragons did for the last three months. I think that's worse. I think way more people know what the hell is going on. And every most people know who Gandalf is. No one knows who Lotlith is. I don't. And I know. Yeah, but so, so, so like in, in terms no of and this is this is this is 100 percent subjective, right? Like I am purely talking from personal experience as a 33, but projecting as a 45 year old man. Um, but like but like. Purely talking from what I understand, that's an inside joke. Uh, I I feel like Dungeons and Dragons is as close to magic in the common zeitgeist of the world as any IP that exists. Like like most people, when they think of Magic: The Gathering, the closest thing they could say to it that they would say it's probably like. But that makes I mean, it we've worse. Described to me. it. Well, well, but but let me finish. Sure. Like, we've described it a million times to people, right? Is like. It has some real relationship to Dungeons and Dragons in terms of like the theme and like the sort of characters and things like that, right? 
Whereas like Lord of the Rings is the other one that I would use to describe. But I would say that if you ask, we use this all the time, 100 people in a random room, what are they more familiar with the IP of? Dungeons and Dragons or Lord of the Rings? Like it's going to not even be close. But I think that's, like, I think that's, that's worse. I think the fact that Dungeons and Dragons is so close to magic makes the brand more muddled than Lord of the Rings does because and it's kind of like the Godzilla cards, right? There's no part of me that's like, oh, that Mothra card is a magic card. It's like, oh, no, that's a different character that has a cool skin on it. And when Gandalf comes out, I'm never going to be like, oh, is Gandalf in magic now? Can I like travel to Middle Earth as a magic player? Or is this just like a cool skin that's within the game system versus Dungeons and Dragons? Right. I actually I think a new player that doesn't know anything about either might be confused why their new favorite character who's this old blue planeswalker that summons spirit dogs can't show up in other stories of this game he's now playing um right right so 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 i think to respond to that and sort of add to my point in the first place is that's actually why i think the DD design is is probably the safest of all and i think they're pretty smart over there so i think like i i think the fact that it is muddled and that it's close to a new player is actually a positive i i don't i'm not worried about the fact that like they're buying D&D magic packs and they actually don't technically know the difference. Like, I think that actually is kind of good for magic. And I think your point about Lord of the Rings being an, a, an expansion set that is not in standard is also important because I think if Lord of the Rings or any licensed set was to be released into standard, I think it does muddle. But here's the thing that I think about. Standard is incredibly important to the lineage of magic, but by today's standards right now, no pun intended... Like, standard does not feel important to me in the same way that it used to. Well, I know it's but still standard is also that. standard is also partially the release schedule, right? Like it's how that product is released into the world. Like every LGS gets it; it's printed for a full year. There's not a limited supply. It doesn't go like it stays in print for much longer, right? That when you say a standard set, yes, it means the format, but it also means a distribution model that isn't sure. true for like a Modern Horizons or even a a jump start. My question there is like, if somebody who walks into a store and says, I'm going to buy my first packs of magic cards, I'm talking to you. Okay. You're behind the counter. Hey, uh, I heard from some people. Magic's awesome. I want to buy my first packs and I, I would like to play. Uh, I, I just want some starter stuff. That's really fun. Right. Uh, what should I buy? I'm going to say, oh, uh, I'm going to say, oh, uh, you're a new player never played before. Here's like whatever new player product that now exists because Wizards is doing really good at coming out with new product for new player. If you're like, oh, I've been playing. I want to see what the new set is like. Well, they just came out with this Lord of the Rings theme set. Uh, do you like or like do you like Lord of the Rings? And you're going to be like, yes, because I'm in a comic well, book okay, store. But, but actually, actually, let's have this conversation because actually you're, you're on to something interesting. So I'm going to respond to your first point. Uh, I don't I don't want the like intro player pack. What what do players who are like good at the game that understand it buy? Like what, what would they buy if they wanted to like get into the thing that everyone plays? What's oh, that? sure. Uh, so there's probably two things. It's either this commander set here. Uh, these like this is the most popular way to play. It's like a multiplayer format. It's not for tournament play. If you're looking for something more tournament play. Uh, we reckon probably probably buying a box. Uh, do uh, just recently the most recent set is this really cool one. It's like a time with Lord of the Rings. Do you like Lord of the Rings? And then you answer yes or no. And if you say no, great. Well, the last set that came out right before that, that was this really cool set. It's about demons who are gangsters in New York-esque art deco side world. Uh, and there's all these different gold factions that you get to play these three different color things all together. It's really dope. Here's a box. 
Or your answer is, oh, I love Lord of the Rings. Great. Gandalf's in this set. Buy this box. <laughs> I, I actually love Lord of the Rings. I've seen those movies a million times. So if I buy this box, I, I can I can build decks of this and like play weekly tournaments with this box. Yeah. Cool. All right. I'm in. <laughs> You're now a magic player, which is the point of these licensed products, right? Like it's which, it's which, which, which is fair. And I, I do feel like the, the distinction between like 10 years ago, the distinction between standard product and expansion product was like it was night and day. It was it was literally like a, it was black and white. Like there was just there was no there was no like similarity. But the conversation we just like pretended to have does prove the point, which is that. You can play a format that is competitive with a Lord of the Rings product, probably because cards are powerful now. And like you could like it, it you won't build like standard. It is Modern Horizons 3. They've they, it like for all intents and purposes, it is an affordable Modern Horizons 3. I mean, the big complaint people have with Modern Horizons 2 was, oh, it sucks that this pack costs twice as much for a pack, making all of the cards in this extra expensive. Lord of the Rings is going to have that problem. It's going to be a regular. Maybe it's going to be five dollars because it's covering the license, but it's not going to be a twelve dollar pack. And it's going to go directly in the modern and Gandalf is going to be in it. And is it cool that Gandalf is a modern? I'm pretty hyped as far as it like I'm as hyped as the Godzilla ones were. Right. And like the fact that I could get a non Godzilla card version of it, they've already announced that they can do that. But like, here's an example. My buddy Kip. I went to, I, he is at this point, my, my longest friend. I went to, I met him the day after my bar mitzvah in seventh grade. He transferred middle schools. Literally he, like it was the week before he did a tour. I was like, oh man, this kid's cool. I can't invite you to my bar mitzvah this weekend. Cause that's weird. And then he like transferred schools the Monday afterwards, March 19th, <laughs> 2001. <laughs> uh, I only know that cause my bar mitzvah, um, longest friend, still friends with the guy. Um, can't get him to play magic have not been able to get him to play magic to save my life. I've tried. Cool guy too. Very amenable. Like, yeah. I feel like uh, I would be able to, yeah, works seems, at seems like he would play. Uh, uh, and he like likes nerd stuff, right? Like has Evangelion statues and is like major in the fighting games, which is the point because for the very first time he's like, Oh wait, maybe I do want to get into magic. And that's because they announced that there was going to be a street fighter secret lair and street fighter characters going to be a magic. And now he's like, Oh wait, <laughs> you can have street fighters in this game. And so like, that's the point of these sets, right? Is that like, and Lord of the Rings is an easy one. Lord of the Rings is to your point about Dungeons and Dragons. If you were to pick one property outside of the Wizards of the Coast ecosystem, that is the most similar to magic. It's Lord of the Rings. Half of the tropes of Magic the Gathering and all of the tropes of Dungeons and Dragons come from Lord of the Rings. I mean, I, I have I have said forever when you describe magic to someone, the classic pitches. Well, the gameplay is like checkers, but meets chess. And then the thematic sort of ideas like that goes with that is kind of like Lord of the Rings characters that move like that. Mm -hmm. That's like I've described that like a hundred thousand times. So like. Yeah, for sure. I do think it's interesting that the conversation that we had as our fake uh, patron and behind the counter guy is essentially saying, yes, you can buy this product and be competitive with people in tournaments. And I'm telling you to do that because modern is the format, not standard. And you can, with a straight face, say that like, that's actually a totally fine thing to promote you to do. Whereas like, we, we talked about this, but like, it's the 10 year anniversary of modern this year. Before modern, I would never like... It, <laughs> In the extended days, you would not have felt comfortable telling a new player, hey, go play that format that's relevant for three months, and then no one wants anything to do with it. Like, sure. You could not say that to a new player, right? Sure, that's Modern true. has the cred now, 10 years later. It's basically Commander's the number one if you're going to recommend them a non-standard format. 
and then it's modern. Those are those are the two. Like if you're going to you'd start with commander and you set it. And I, think, you yeah. I think limited and standard still exist in that ecosystem. I think those are still the four key pillars of magic, right, is limited standard modern and commander. Um, and, and like to your point back in those extended days, they would say play legacy, right? Because dual sure, are 35 sure, sure. to $40, not 400 to ten thousand dollars <laughs> um so it's a little bit of a different framework than it is now but i do think of course i mean modern super popular right there's a reason that like there is such an appetite for this stuff to come back and all why our podcast exists to this day for for the fandom is just like people are really hyped by this format um and it is kind of the easiest way to just like find shelter in magic, right? Because you don't, even though powerful stuff makes it feel like cards are rotating, there's still a ton of staples and lands that are still playable to this day. Um, like Cryptic Command is still a major format staple. So like, I, I think there's like levels on both ends. Um, but I think, I think to your point on like these sets coming out, people want to be able to play with the cards they're buying. And n none of the sets that seem to come out are, are really that the closest that are the secret layers that are limited drops that people have their issues with. Now, the good thing about the Fortnite one is that the Fortnite one is skins like Godzilla. All of the cards that will be in the Fortnite set are just going to be lightning bolt will be blaster and it'll be like, look like a gun, but it'll be like one red. It'll ha it'll have the, like the Godzilla text underneath saying lightning bolt and it'll just be flavored like a blaster. I don't know anything that's happening in Fortnite. So <laughs> take everything with a grain of salt. So like all the cards that they're going to come out with are going to be reskins of magic cards. So you don't have the walking dead problem. That's not true of the street fighter one though. I big, big, like, okay, you didn't react to this the way you reacted to walking dead. But I think part of that is just like people have like seen what Walking Dead did and are fine with it. Wizards has also officially announced that all cards in these secret layers will be either added to the list as is licensed or with magic versions of them. I also think that like Walking Dead as a popularized IP started on AMC in 2010 and Street Fighter as a popularized IP started almost 20 years earlier. So the same exact thing of nostalgia is true which is that like it's been around for longer and has been like all, it's already had its cycle of like oh yeah there's like tournaments of this that like happen where people follow it and like you know there are arcades in major cities where you can play this walking dead while it was a comic book in the mid 2000s got popularized really in 2010 2011 the same time as modern like the the whole like i guarantee you in 15 years walking dead part two for magic will be a big hit because like people who grew up or like love this will have nostalgia for it. But it was a giant bloated IP that did really well and had tons of people watching. And that's the reason people had such issues. It, it wasn't, I mean, yes, the card availability thing was a, was a concern. It was, I, I'm not going to mm -hmm. say it wasn't, but like, but Wizards has also addressed this, right? Like they're saying we can now reprint these cards and even the walking dead ones were allowed to reprint based on the systems that we've established. It has more to do with the fact that like, when this happened, Walking Dead wasn't cool. It was like a, it was a, it was a like not very like hip thing to be a fan of at that point anymore. I mean, for God's sakes, like I did an after show podcast and interviews with the cast of that show for like two or three years. And by the time this came out, I was already one to two years removed from doing either of those things because it was not something I like wanted to do anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, right. Like if this had happened two years earlier, I'd be like, oh my God. I can't wait to talk about these cards with the cast and like 
break this down on a show because I'm still doing this. Like it happened strangely late in a really uncool time. And that's why people reacted the way they did. It just kind of sucked. I think, I think there's also like, there's a chunk of people that like, if this is really a thing that's going to break magic for you, they quit during walking dead and like fine. Like the, the, the whole whatever commander's quarters blow up thing happened as well, which was super problematic. I think like there's also yeah, I think I think they're just seeing more like I think the Dungeons and Dragons thing plus what The Walking Dead actually ended up doing throughout its like life cycle through magic or as it's doing right now kind of gave more of an alleviation on people on what this could all look like because like the the Dungeons and Dragons set uh, the Forgotten Realms set was great, right? Like it, it like it, it came off really well. It's blended into magic totally fine. It didn't break anything. Um, Godzilla also was super successful. Um Though interesting enough, I think Godzilla did hurt Ikoria from first glance because you kind of lost the Pokemon influence that was going on. Like, I didn't realize that this was the Pokemon set until like a year later, uh, which is what the companion mechanic was because I was so focused on like, oh, this is the Kaiju set. There's Godzilla creatures, not like remembering like, oh, no, this is also the like catch cool creatures set that that and like the mutate being of, of evolution. Right. Like that's like it's it was their version of evolving in Matt and Pokemon um really yeah oh yeah ben's learning that now yeah ikoria is the pokemon set you have evolution and mutate you have companion which is like your one chosen pokemon uh that's like you know like pikachu is to ash and you're like start and it's like kind of your starter you start the game with it you have like weird cool hybrid animals like a turtle gun (laughs) or you know and like stuff like that and yeah it's the it's like the pokemon set I guess it makes I guess it kind of makes more sense now that I think about it. You have a lot of really cute little things that are like not very powerful that you like want to turn into cooler, bigger things like yeah. even even like the, the 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 green one, one for two that like gets a plus one plus one every time you evolve. Right. Like, yep. Or not evolve. Uh, you mutate. Like yep. even that like represents like a small, adorable Pokemon who like Becomes does something every time thing. you do something. Yeah, it's it's actually it's a, and, and the, the companion thing is actually the biggest part, which is like you start the game with this Pokemon, like that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. But, but like having to pay so much to even get access to your thing kind of invalidates some of the idea, which makes sense that like it's it's magic's take on it, right? And and like yeah. the reason no one got it is because they're also not allowed to say it. <laughs> and it's like kind of maybe the other end is why they did the Godzilla thing is it let them get even more under the radar on that because Godzilla was this like almost bad fit like it's not a bad fit because the monsters were big but like most of the things that are kind of more poke there's even a giant legendary turtle that goes fast right like there's like which is a pokemon thing uh but like they like made it feel like like giant godzilla things but the flavor of what's going on doesn't fit godzilla as much just it it does a little bit i don't know yeah it's 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 cool It, it definitely was kaiju but also had a lot of the other feels to it so um but yeah Fun fact, Pokemon is the is the set. But uh, to the licensing thing, the one thing I also wanted to bring up, and this is something I said on Twitter, there's a lot of people who are... Re- okay, so it's, let's have the Fortnite conversation. Um, people seem to be very unhappy that Fortnite... Or like they just think like Fortnite is a joke, right? The fact that this is being added to Magic is the silliest thing on the planet. How dare they? This is so cheesy. This is only a thing that kids like. Um, and, and for the record can't play Fortnite. I don't know how to build things. I like Apex uh, as far as those type of games go. But um and I've been playing a lot of Splitgate recently actually, which is really good. It's I highly recommended. It. But um but then 
they sit there and they're like, but Warhammer is fine. And I think that if your opinion is that Warhammer and, and if you don't like either, we just had a long conversation about the value of licensing these products, their advertisements, and they're not going to break the game that much. But I think if you are okay with Warhammer and you, but you think Fortnite is a dumb include, you should recontextualize or be a little bit more self-aware that they are comparable, uh, if not Warhammer, maybe even a little bit worse of additions to the fact that Warhammer is going to be a commander product versus a skinned secret layer set uh, additions to magic because it has mad get off my lawn. I'm an old man vibes to me. Like the, the problems with Fortnite that people have. Like, 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 I don't think Fortnite being added to Magic in the way that it is as a secret layer. I think my complaint about the Fortnite as a secret layer is that this could be a great entree for kids to get into Magic, and f- secret layers are not the best way to get kids into Magic cards, right? Like, like a secret layer is good for collectors who know what's going on, and the best way to get kids in the thing is to come up with a property that they either can get access to or their parents can realize that they can buy for their kids, and a secret layer isn't good for that. I think that, like, the difference between, okay, any one property becoming, or, or like, thing, meme, quote, whatever, becoming notable because people paid attention to it wanted to engage one time, like, as this is a thing I care about, Versus something that requires autonomy from the audience to like engage and become invested in. They're like very different things. And so the sort of get off my lawn thing you're talking about, which is Fortnite is this kid's thing. It's so silly. But like my seven year old cousin loves Fortnite and I don't he's dumb. He's seven. (laughs) But all those people, all those seven year olds and those six year olds, those 10 year olds and 30 and 50 year olds who like Fortnite because they all do from different, you know, whatever they engaged. They made profiles and they played it and they like they got excited about the skins and they they it was important to them. It is important to them. And whether or not it will be in five years does not matter because it required more than watching a video on YouTube for two minutes, right? Like if you watch things on TikTok for a little while and you stop, you are the problem, which is like not, not the, not the problem in the sense that you are actually a problem, but like the, to, to the guy that complains about these sort of things, you are the person who's like, I'm going to consume this and act like it matters until it doesn't matter. But if you create content on TikTok and you watch and you interact and you comment, you develop and build it and actually engage it makes it more important. And so I think that Fortnite occupies the same space that most things do, which is not like a YouTube video that people got t-shirts made of for three months and then cease to exist like a brand, like an actual experience is what it is. And so I think that's where it's like, I can't get that upset with Fortnite getting to magic because it's so popular and, and the people that do it, they have to engage and they have to play it and make profiles and actually become familiar with it. I have never played Fortnite yeah, I mean, and I know plenty of people that have. There's a reason that Fortnite merchandise like like toys, shirts, whatever are topping lists on sales every year, right? I don't think I don't think anyone is doesn't understand the popularity of Fortnite. I think their point is more that it's like because it's a little bit more juvenile focused, it doesn't belong in the world of magic necessarily, which just feels gatekeepy to me, I guess. And like to your point, the best way to get people to play magic is to get people to try magic. 
right? My yeah. the the biggest barrier entry for me getting people in my life to play Magic is the first time of getting them to play. The second one is that I can't let people win uh, when I'm teaching them something, which makes me a bad teacher of things. But <laughs> the first one's the bigger problem, not the second one. I'm perfect. <laughs> um, uh, the the and with Fortnite, like this is gonna get people to play. My my point before of like I wish this was an easier entree for for new players it still stands, right? Like I wish this was a dual deck. I think a Fortnite dual deck or even like two Fortnite commander products would be a much better use of the game. The cool thing with the Fortnite thing though is also that likely we will get magic characters like Jace and Chandra and Liliana into Fortnite as skins, which will be a, the biggest advertisement for magic as part of this deal as possible. Really. And I guess my, my point is, is that like Warhammer is just as like big guns and sci-fi and a genre mix from magic other than the fact that it's like super super serious i guess as as a as a intro to magic versus fortnite which is a little bit more jokey jokey but both of them are guns both of them appeal to an audience bringing it in and if i were to pick one of those two things and my goal was to make magic as popular as possible which has always been my goal um it's from the beginning of content but from the moment that me and craig said in ihop parking lots let's make magic cool by making top decking uh like fortnite's going to do way more of it there are 350 million users of fortnite there are I think maximum a million total players of Warhammer on a yearly basis. So like that's the population of the United States versus a million, uh, like the population of Kansas. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like when you talk about what, what, what we are talking about with Fortnite, like the juvenile nature and that criticism is a valid one. Cause I, I, I definitely actually think that as a person who loves the things I love and wants those things to be kept I guess on some level, not pure because it's wrong. Cause I don't care if new people, I'm not a gay fever. If, if new people want to get into the things I love, that's fine. But like, I want there to be integrity in the things I like. I don't want them to feel like they're deluded by just like, sure, I'll be like a passerby for a second and then not care about your important thing. Like I do have that in me. And I think most people do of the things they love. That's fine. But like Fortnite was decided to be made as an expansion product where, as you mentioned, it's it's a purely additional product. Like I buy the secret layers that I want to buy. That's what I do because they're cards that exist and it's awesome to have cool versions. And if somebody in Fortnite wants to have an awesome version of their favorite character as a magic card, good for them. I would love to have them play magic. I would love to have them have that sleeved up. That's exciting for me. If I sat down across the table and they were like, yeah, I just got in check this out. Like I played Fortnite and like I ordered this and I think it looks really cool. And I wanted to learn. I would be like, dude, I am so happy uh, to play against you. Like legitimately anyone I sat down across the table from that said that to me, I would be so inclusive and just like, Oh my God, I've loved this game since I was a little kid and something you did. And the company that I pay money to got you to do this. And you're excited to show me the thing you paid money for congratulations sure. for finding the greatest game ever. Well, right? and, that's, and that's the thing with it, right? You don't need to play with those cards. I, I think like one of the problems with magic, I guess in this world is that you, I'm just trying to see every angle is you don't get to choose what your opponent is doing. Right. So I, if I hate Fortnite for whatever reason, and like Fortnite is on the scale of things is not, not the top end. If I hate Fortnite, uh, like walking dead was a good example of this, right? Like there are things of walking dead that are problematic. I hate walking dead. Uh, I don't, I'm, the, I'm getting into the persona. Uh, 
and you sit and I play a magic game of magic and you sit across from me in a legacy tournament and you like like are like Rick into Glenn. I'm like, well, now I don't have a choice but to play against you and have to interact with it. I guess that's an argument, but a a lot of these things aren't in that space. There's a lot of rule zero conversations that are available in the commander tables, which is the largest place that this is seeing play. B there's other stuff like in magic already that is at that level. And I think that like let your opponents enjoy what they're enjoying. You don't have to deal with what their cards are. And I, I think if you're going to get tilted by that, that's going to have to be something you deal with than forcing your opponent to do something different. For, for me, the line is that when you create a product as Wizards of the Coast that fundamentally alters the rules of the game in like a problematic way that I don't like, and then you also tie it to an IP, I'm going to definitely focus on and target that IP. But that has not happened. That is not what this is. These, these, these announcements are not that. Like, these announcements are just different products that are available that are legal in different formats that reflect the IPs you guys want to work with. And you have my goodwill because for 25 plus years, you have made great cards and you have convinced me through your releases, those cards will be forever. Like whether it's going from one old border style to a new border style or whether it is going from you could play 50 copies of a card in 1993 to you could play four copies in 1993. Whatever your rule changes and your updates that you've done, they've kept me engaged this whole time. I love them. my entire closet is full of magic cards. I love them to my core until you truly do me wrong in a way that I feel like ruins the game. You have earned my respect and I would encourage any single person listening to the show who has any criticisms or concerns or questions about the licensed products did the exact same thing. It's it's just they 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 don't like do this. I feel like they don't do this stuff being like, we'll just see what happens. Hopefully people like it. I feel like they're pretty aware of what we're going to like and not like. And every once in a while there's like a little bit of like, you know, just like like some rough stuff. But most of the time they have a pretty good sense of it. So I'm excited about these products. On the whole, and I, and my initial question to you, I know like 25 minutes ago that started this whole conversation was, am I worried? Are you worried about no. Magic feeling like these IPs rather than Magic? I'm more worried about I'm what not. Magic... I'm not worried about Magic. I don't care about the IPs coming. That, my, my like answer to your question, and now we've talked about all the license stuff, which we got into it so we can get to the next stuff, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll end here on this, is I don't think that the integrity of the Magic brand or story is hurt in fact i think it is helped by bringing these other brands and the players that might be gravitated towards them into the fold i do think that the magic story basically going to the wayside and not existing anymore uh and the direction that was going in does hurt the brand i think that there could be more of a build-up but that even with the announcement of the new tv show with brandon roth starring gideon is a pretty strong indication that there is plans to expand the magic story and figuring out what that looks like is going to be really interesting. So I also, I, yeah, my also question to you on that is like, well, the brothers war was one of the announcements. And well, like when I read, stop I, skipping ahead, let's talk about the New York gangster <laughs> shard set for a second. All right. God damn. Just keeps jumping the gun. I need to get him an outline. We're talking about new Capena. Uh, this is the third set. Uh, this is the, this will be the spring set. This is in the Strixhaven spot. Um, and when we were talking about like no, no surprises, even this wasn't that surprising to me in the sense that like, we probably were going to get a new plane. It was probably going to be a vibe that we haven't seen before. That seems to be once a year, we're getting a return set. And then that, um, and, uh, it's, it's, 
stars Obnixilis. Obnixilis is the face of the set. We know that it's going to be a three-color faction-based set. Most people are predicting it's going to be a shards-based set because we haven't had one since um, Alara Block, really. Uh, and we just got one that was the enemy-colored one. So looking at Naya, Jund, Grixis, etc., each of those three colors will be uh, centered around a demon-led gangster family. Uh, so it's it's meant to be like the like 1930s Art Deco New York Chicago gangster run uh, bootlegging uh, world, and that's kind of what all the artwork looks like. Obnix list will be one of the things. It also is a plane from Elsbeth's past. So a lot of people are theorizing that this is her actual home plane. Um, though that is a little bit of a retcon because her home plane was supposed to have been destroyed by the Phryxians and supposed to be a little bit more nighty, though she did go to Bant and so could have learned her more nightness from Bant and started somewhere else. So, But it's possibly this is Elsbeth's home plane. Um, but she's going to be in it. We know Obnixilis is on it because he's the face of the set. He looks great in a big uh, pinstripe suit. Literally, the pants are like pinstriped. Um, and yeah, that's going to be the third set for the year. Thoughts on New Capena? Yeah, I mean, I think I think when you talk about the idea of uh, New Capena and like sort of the pinstriped suit, you know, you know the, the big IP that I think we all love and so many of you guys who are listening to this probably love that relates to this is the Batman animated series. Um, I think that the early, early part of the, the, the you know, that that century, 20s and 30s that really relates the, the imagery is that I think probably I that. all the That's things a- that I can. I haven't seen that take. That's like a really great take that this is going to be very dark night or yeah, keep going. Love that. <laughs> yeah. I, I think when you talk about that era of design, the art, that sort of art deco, like it's, that's probably the most commonly referenced in pop culture in a major way. Um, mm-hmm. Bruce, Tim had a real love affair with that stuff. You know, you just have that old technology, you know, pocket watches and Tommy guns and, you know, big recognizable shapes, dark shadows. It's very cool. It's very sexy. It's it's, it's a really really fun design. I've always loved it. Um, and another, I think, a great fit for magic that like hasn't been done before. I think that's really cool. I think that style of artwork is like going to be really cool. It's going to be interesting because it feels like we're going to like four planes of nighttime in a row. Because we're going to like Innistrad and we're going to Innistrad, which is like like 75% of the cards take place in in darkness. We're going to uh, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty, but like famously most um, cyberpunk stuff like takes place in like dark alleyways and darkness with neon signs. More mostly just at nighttime. At like nighttime, I, there, there is no such thing as like that genre in the daytime. Right, right. It's only right. night. And then, and then we're going to like gangster Art Deco, Roaring Twenties, New York, Chicago, <laughs> which is like ran by demons. So that's another like, and that's what I was kind of saying: ghosts and demons being this like through run because Kamigawa also famously has a bunch of like cool legendary demons, right? Because there's um like all of the demon spirits like Kagamaru and and I'm, I'm just reading off random ones I'm looking at there's a bunch of demons on the set right that's like a big part of yeah of 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 the Kamigawa world obviously Innistrad's filled with demons after the hell vault was opened and now we have now we have demon plane so that's and then I feel like ghosts that art deco style does have ghost vibes right that's kind of like the ghostbusters like all the buildings the ghostbusters were in were buildings from this era and had that ghost vibe mm. as well right that's kind of where my head was going 
Yeah, I think I mean I think that's a pretty interesting reference. Uh, it definitely it definitely feels like you're talking about you know Ghostbusters is '84, so like the era that it, they're probably focusing on is you know it's at least '80s, but it's it's getting back to like '70s and earlier architecture. So I think that just by default that you're correct in that. Well, no, no, because like, um, Ghostbusters takes place in '80s New York, but a lot of the buildings they're going to are the Art Deco style libraries yeah, 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 and buildings from the 1930s that were originally built in New York during that era. That that's only. Yeah. For, for sure, yeah. Why that I, think, I think I, I think your reference there is is totally correct, and I think uh, them trying to sort of find that classic, beautiful uh, through line is is definitely something that happens in the Ghostbusters and and probably a lot of different movies from that era. But definitely Ghostbusters that that's a huge focus. Like you have movie, you have you have buildings that just kind of feel and look like. The Empire State Building. They just mm-hmm. they, you want everything to have shapes and lines and shadow and light and all that. Um, I'm interested to see how they translate demons to the non uh, black mana shards, right? Like the way, like kind of the way, like it was really interesting to see how they did dragons in Jessica, uh, not Jessica because that's red, but in Abzan and Saltai. Um, where it was like no red. What does a non-red looking dragon feel like? And that's a little easier, I think. In demons, we've very, very few, if any, non-black colored demons. I'm gonna look it up. This could be a trivia question for the future. Um, but I think I think that with the the idea of this design, that that Art Deco thing you're talking about, the thing that really stands out to me is that the reason the Batman animated series design worked so well was that it would take really grimy really dark and kind of violent characters and themes and reduce them to a much more two-dimensional kind of digestible story, which uh, you could still tell if you were a kid, like these people were not who you wanted to interact with, right? Like they were still dangerous people and they were, and they were dark, (coughs) but it made it much more like sort of kid friendly. And I think that works very well in the same way, if you're going to go with that theme, that you can have like a really kind of grimy crime lord exist on a magic card as a character if it's just, you know, very beautiful and and two or three color sort of sharp edges. Like you can get a lot out of the design without actually having to go into any kind of literal, really upsetting material. Well, sure. I guess I guess more like demons are so inherently like I feel like demons are more inherently black mana focused than dragons or angels are white and like i think they fit more perfectly in that the one of the color is red we've gotten red demons so but like what does a bant demon look like well, or what does a bant's demons vibe like an entire gangster family that, that is one thing that like makes me feel like it's possible that it's not five uh it's not the it's not shards but it's them doing every black adjacent shard I feel or like if you're different talking ones? demons, black is the demon color. Correct. Black red is super super friendly. That, that that's that's demons all the way, right? Yeah, there's, there's seen a lot of the them. only the only color that has a monocolor demon that's not black is red. So black red. So then black red blue, a Grixis demon that feels realistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, black red white, a Mardu demon that seems totally realistic. Uh, black red green, a Jun demon, totally realistic. Sure. I think those could absolutely happen, right? And so then what? Black red. Sure. The, the the thing is that everyone's theorizing that it's going to be the shards, right? So it's going to be Naya, Bant. Naya and Bant are the hard ones. Cause, oh, that's, cause, that's, 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 that was all three. I just, I just named, they all seem totally realistic. Yeah. 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 There's, there's, yeah. You missed, uh, you, so you have Salt Eye Demon, uh, Mardu Demon, 
uh whatever yes sure though yes, yes all the ones with black make total sense right it's when you do bant or naya naya maybe maybe like you could do like more of a bestial um kind of like or even like but like bant you like you basically are gonna have to come up with like good guy demons for bant i i was i was saying black red the the, the, the any anything black red based i named the other three those all to me are like slam dunks but i think your point there about bant is that if you get rid of if you get rid of the red, the familiar color, it does get a little bit interesting of trying to find the identity that actually feels like it makes sense. No, because no, no. like sorry, sorry, you're, you're misunderstanding. The understanding we have right now, and it is not confirmed, is that they're going to be similar to Ikoria having the wedge colors. So the 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 enemy color three color combos. This will be the Alara based colors. So it'll be the five different shards, meaning that okay. there will have to be a demon family. If that were to be true, that is Bant. And there will have to be a demon family that will be red, green, white, which means it won't have black and one of them won't have red even. And what does that look like? Not, and, not, I, and a Bant demon. And like, yeah, yeah. How, how do you do that? And so like what you're saying is it's possible that the way they get around that is they don't do that. They do only black adjacent families or black and or red. The problem there is it becomes really weirdly balanced towards black. And when they've done that in the past, this set's weird. I think I think the issue there is that like let's say we're describing a Naya demon in the way you are describing it, which is like sort of bestial right like it's got like the aggression and the power of like a beast where like where is that where is that coming from is it like because because like when i think about it in terms of magic colors i'm like that feels like it has to come from black right like that or, or i guess bant is more important because it has no black or red like a bant demon i'm like okay that green heavy like very like aggressive teeth a uh, big you know just like wants to crush things and kill and eat things like that that's demonic except that Oh, I think I think I think red, like gardening demons, right? Like I think that's the only like chaos. I think you leave that leave into the chaos. I think you have a poison ivy, basically, right? You have poison ivy as a demon because poison ivy is pretty naive, right? She's like she's really a vigilante for plants, but is willing to kill people for them. She's like much more on the hero side. She's just the hero. I could see plants, okay. right? Uh, yeah, I. I actually like your design there with that, like Poison Ivy, I think it's like a fun idea. What about like the boastful demon, the big green, like I am covered in golden riches, like yeah. I just like own the forest demon. Like right. that that kind of feels like I could like the really huge ego that that feels like green. You could base it in green. Green yeah. probably of, of, of the colors, I would say white and green both actually feel like they could have a demon that makes sense. But I like the I like the green design because white just feels like an opposite of black in 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 terms of design, whereas green feels like it has a bit more of a unique flavor. Right, which is why, which I I like. I think Naya is possible. It's Bant is the one that I'm like, and the only thing I can think of is gargoyles. Like like they are they are like the protector family, like pseudo cop, but they're like they're literally just like gargoyle style, like un misunderstood maybe, but like that's the only. The only like because they're basically demon, right? Gargoyles from a plot like physicality perspective have all of the features of a demon. And maybe that's the way you do it, like where they're the good guy demons, but they're like cursed to look I that could, way. So having the blue in there, that's the that's the intellectual side of the character. Yeah. And then having the green in there is the sort of fuller 
bodied, like eat, like, like, like that's that boastful thing. So like, if we're going to combine that sort of boastful, big green, powerful thing with intellectual, and then you try to throw in white, which is like order. I think you would probably take some of the prideful stuff that goes along with white as the opposite of black. But like, I'm a, I'm, I'm a powerful demon who has some relationship to evil, but I'm that good. Mm -hmm. And I think that with the green ego there could also there could it could also be religious right like that's the other like thinking of mobster movies like if all of the demons are just mobster families there's a big part of the mobster ethos centered around catholicism so maybe that demon family the bant one is just the catholic ones (laughs) okay this is really dark but this is what i like for this i just it just hit me you're combining like blue hyperintelligence, white order and lineage with green power. You're literally like the old, old money Ivy League white families that show up in like movies where they're just super corrupt and like way going back to like horrible corruption. That's that's the okay. demon event where they like they run the world in the most corrupt, awful they're like the ways. Roth, they're the Rothschilds or whatever. Yes. Yeah, they, they influence elections. Mm-hmm. Like they're like that family where you're just like, oh my god, you're the real evil in the world. Like that's that's Vance. Okay, okay, I can, I can, I can, I can deal with that too. That sounds, I'm, I'm like that kinda, sounds cool. I'm like kind of into that actually. <laughs> okay, okay, all right, we we solved it. If we can come up with it tonight during this podcast, I feel like Wizards was able to figure out something over over time. Um, and I think like the religion one angle works also for Naya, right? Like I think both of them could like really like a lot of golden glitz in that world. I think, um, or like the the other one Naya could do is like run bars, right? Like run the speakeasy side of things. Because 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 red gives you. Partying. Like a really nice, like chaotic partying fun. Yeah. Well, like red white has that like romance angle to it, right? So like you could lean it and so does green to some extent, like life being created. So more yeah. of like a romantic side of de- demonicness, maybe. Um so okay. All right. All right. I've talked us into this being a possibility. <laughs> I'm sold. I'm I'm this honestly, New Capena and um uh neon uh dynasty kamigawa are the two sets of all the announcements that they announced that i'm most excited for okay so then warhammer comes out we kind of talked about that already it's going to be a commander set it's probably the thing i'm least excited by of literally everything on the list um like i already like for the dungeons and dragon stuff i like adjacently know what's going on i read the um the the Dragonlance novels which don't take place in this world but like even like the cool color dragons like did it for me um i know nothing about warhammer zero zero content other than it's fun to paint <laughs> so like zero motivate like but, so moving past that let's talk about and this will be the last thing we talk about tonight dominaria right so here's the first thing i thought when i saw the dominaria announcement was like we're going back again i thought like the first one was with the first one was already like this is novel we're going back to like your original memory of doing all this stuff but we're going back and i was like well i guess it's been four years it's probably been four years <laughs> like i i can't believe when i think about the ip and how long it's been it always the same thing happens to me every single time where they're like we're going back to something and i'll go that was that, that just happened and so it's yeah, the first strixhaven strixhaven icoria War of the Spark, Dominaria. So yeah, it's been four. Ugh. I guess it's been three years, but four by the t- yes, it'll be it'll be four years in a by month the by the time we come out. Yeah, it's it's crazy to me. Like four years is a long time. Like that is going to college for people. So like 
uh, when we go back to one of these sets, it, I loved Dominaria. It's actually one of the sets I can remember coming out in the last little while that like felt the most magic on theme, like really fun. Like I really liked the design. It did not feel gimmicky at all. It felt exactly like the history of the game. And that makes sense because it obviously had reference to like a lot of old sets, but yeah. So I I'm, I'm pretty excited to go back to Dominaria. My only concern though, is that now that we've opened it up to familiar IP and similar IP, like search Haven would be similar and mm-hmm. familiar would be like D and D. Does returning to Dominaria feel in some ways like it's redundant? Like it's not at this point going back is not necessary because that was already going back to like 10 plus years of magic. Uh, to, to a few things. Uh, one, no, from a story perspective, right? Like I think Dominaria, like as the story continues, we're getting the next, I think we're working towards new Phyrexia. A return to, I think like we, like we are in the middle of the new Phyrexia arc. Right where we were before we were in the Nicol Bolas arc, and before that we were in the Eldrazi arc. I think we we're in the like in the midst of it, and I think that the last couple of years have been setting up a few key players and setting up some future arcs. But Elsbeth was saved. Tybalt was doing messed up stuff that like got Vornaclux out of 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 you know reminding us of the Phyrexians. Um, even. Strixhaven was introducing I think Strixhaven was introducing future villains with like this like evil uh, gatewatch thing that they were setting up but you're getting all these different pieces to get us back there and I think we're going to find out like Elsbeth is going to continue being in the spotlight kind of replacing Gideon as the main one of the main characters that's where we're going to go to uh New Cap and I keep wanting to call it New Caprica which is the set which is the prequel series and part of Battlestar Galactica like where everyone's from in that show uh, it's New Capina <laughs> um, and that's going to be Elsbeth focused again bringing in the spotlight and then we're going to go to Dominaria and that's what Dominaria the last time we were Dominaria it was the end of Elsbeth series and it was previewing Karn trying to find solutions to Phyrexia and I think to speak towards its popularity the last Dominaria set was an extraordinarily popular set and there's a reason that the three times since they've moved towards the 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 no blocks exist model we've had three different moments where we've revisited a set sequentially and it's ravnica which led to war of the spark it's going to be innistrad this year and then next year it's going to be dominaria because we're doing dominaria and then we're doing a flashback thing showing the history of the brothers war and the introduction of phyrexia on um on dominaria and i think wait wait dominaria and the brothers war are separate sets yeah what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought yeah. that was—I thought that was the same set. No, no, no. We're doing Dominaria instead of the core set, like what we just did. And then the Brothers' War is going to be what Innistrad is. This it's the fall set. It's what. Yeah. Oh goodness. Okay, so your so your your Dominaria is setting up like classic classic stuff. Yeah, I think I think I think the reason they're doing the Brothers' War is a because we've never seen it, and b because there's going to be relevant stuff to how Phyrexia was formed and Urza and what was going on that they want to bring back to the plot and bring back to the forefocus of the plot to then be a part of the destruction of Phyrexia and the fight to save new Phyrexia by the end of 2023. Is Interesting. my okay. Is my th- is my theory. It could be 2024. It could be like, that's that step. And then we're going to do, I would like a, a lot, another loss at new Phyrexia, but they might feel like we've already done that. And that's why they're doing the brother's war story. Cause like we do, 
I would like more than just one set in 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 on on Mirrodin New Phyrexia, but we'll see what we get. But yes, I think that's I think that's the beginning of this. I think we're gonna go to Dominaria. I think it's even possible that Dominaria is going to have that set story end with a portal to New Phyrexia opening on the planet, and then we're gonna cut to a prequel. So so I do yeah just the pre, pre, quickly preface on on because Ben doesn't know anything about magic story, <laughs> just as like brief thing to go into it because we'll we'll learn more about it by that year. But uh, the Brothers War was the kind of the the prequel to Alpha, like you know when you like build your uh, fantasy world, often fantasy creators will have like an an epic old civilization that existed before the time of where your stuff is taking places. It's why in Dungeons and Dragons and other stuff, you can like find cool old tech. So the brothers war was part of that prequel era and it's the fight between Urza and Mishra. And a lot of people have been asking for a new Mishra card for a very long time. Cause the one that exists currently has rules texts that you can make work in commander and uh, Jules Robbins, who now works at wizards friends, a friend of the cast uh, has had had one, which was really cool, but it mentions having two cards with the same name, so it doesn't work really, really well. But um, Urza and Mishra brothers, they fight each other. Their war is what created the Ice Age that is the set Ice Age uh, in the original Magic. And like there was hints at what was going on there with like Urza's sunglasses or Urza's glasses or whatever. Um, and then it also is like kind of the origin of the Thrawn technology. Like, which is like Thrawn Dynamo and Thrawn Incubator and all that stuff is a part of that as well. And it's also the origin of the Phyrexians because uh, Yagamoth is a part of this as well. So all of this is tied in together. Um, and and we're going to get to see that in a modern framework of storytelling and card design, which is going to be really cool. But it, it, and, and I think so the first Dominaria, I think, is going to set up. Like the, maybe the weatherlight gets portal technology and can now travel again between planes and they fix it. And now we get Joyra everywhere and Tappy is going to dress up as Joyra on every plane and she's going to have a great time. <laughs> uh, I was I was totally convinced that it was that it was Ura, Urza and Karn. I, I actually Mishra, even though I like had Mishra, I have the card, the card you are referencing. I love that card. Uh -huh. Like I like did not think Mishra was the key piece. I was confused. I was convinced so that Karn... Urza was the Karn is the legacy weapon, which was actually the other trivia question I had lined up for today's thing. But uh, Karn was the was was the was parts of the legacy we weapon. So Karn was like a Chewbacca character that was created that ended up that Urza created. He's like a, a part, and then him plus a bunch of other pieces combine to create the legacy weapon, which was the original weapon designed to destroy the Phyrexians. So he's ah, okay. like, the, and that's why he's been like charged with, and that was why it was like epic that he then became the god of the Phyrexians on New Phyrexia because he like playing or walked there and had oil leaking from him from his first time defeating him huh. and then is now like focusing on trying to come up with a new weapon that can defeat them. And that's what the plot of the first set on Dominaria was. It was Liliana killing her fourth and final demon to free herself from her demon contract and it was karn being like hey joyra let's figure out how to destroy um these phyrexians the third one was it was it was gideon getting the black blade because he thought it could kill uh nickel bliss huh. it doesn't interesting that was a red herring but uh it was kind of a little bit of a mess of a like story it was like a bunch of little loose ends but 
us going back is a, a focus on it being popular. And then us going back to the past is kind of the be able to recreate that. And I think it's going to be relevant storytelling is is basically, I think, what we're going to see. But we're going to get to see the Brothers War. And, and if you want to talk about it's weird that Fortnite and Warhammer are being out of the magic, the Brothers War is wild. There's like full on mech suits and laser cannons. And like it's as, Urza's armor, right? Like Urza's yeah. armor is a classic card that like has to do with like that whole like that, that that card from like it's probably from Urza's Saga actually, but like the art's super super cool. But it's like it feels real like mech, mm-hmm. you know. Like, and like there are skyships and like it's all it's gonna be dope. I'm I'm actually really hyped. Um, I hope they do a weatherlight that is good. Yeah, I've like been I, disappointed I mean, by every printing of the card, the weatherlight. <laughs> well, skyship weatherlight is pretty good, right? And actually, and like 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 uh, the console flagship or whatever, like that card's pretty good too. Console no? flagship is cool. I like vehicles. I'm saying the card weatherlight has been the two versions of weatherlight that we have gotten. I've been very disappointed in both of them. That's I fair. also think it, it would be cool to like. I think they should print a commander product where the weather light is literally one of the commanders. Like it's the, it like is a vehicle that says this can be your commander. You start with like a giant ship as your commander. And it's yeah. like, I'm going to get my giant ship. And if you can get like, if you have you five creatures that don't share a creature type, you can, and you can tap them to crew it. And it like, you know, if it does damage to a player or you like, you know, something to do with portals. Yeah. I, I don't know. That would be my, my, my dream, but we'll see what we get. Um, but yeah, that so we're gonna, cool. we're gonna we're we're gonna be returning the Dominaria. I guess the last thing we haven't talked about is we did get an announcement. What's cool is there it, what what they seem to have been doing that have done this year. We're gonna get a new jump start. That's cool. I think it's the best beginner product ever created. Uh, so I'm excited for that being just more available. Um, but where the Lord of the Rings set is gonna be Modern Horizons two. The um the what's it called set is going to be. Oh, the, this there's a second Dungeons and Dragons set, Baldur's Gate, that will be the Commander Legends too. So okay. it's taking the Commander Legends mechanics and everything done in Commander Legends, but setting it in the world of D anD D, and that that'll be the 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 last thing I think released next year. Um, I'm excited for that. I like partner. I want more partners in my life in general. I would love if companion was also included in that, to be honest. Uh, I think we could use more companions now that the rule has changed, especially if they're like made for commander products. And so they're like legacy direct and vintage direct and don't have to hit modern. Um, Yeah, that's that's all I'm hoping for. I, I don't have a lot of thoughts on that. And this episode is now hitting two hours of recording. So I feel like we should end it here. But it's a it's a fairly long discussion. But I mean, I feel like the things we are talking about are pretty awesome. Like yeah. in general, there's a lot to talk about. So any, th- um, any thoughts on uh, the D&D Commander Legends set? I mean, I'm a gigantic fan of Commander Legends. I was literally going through a box of cards earlier today and found my opening of that set. And I also think the D&D set has been pretty cool. And also the people that have been brought into Magic Sphere from that set have been cool. So the likelihood that like a combination of those two things is not awesome is pretty low. Um, I probably feel the same way about it that I felt about our conversation about expansion products at the beginning of the episode, which is like, I'm I'm happy for them. It's one more product for like that average player to just like contend with. But I don't know that it actually really upsets that player. I think that player probably just is excited when they do find out about the product, if they find out about that product. Yeah. What what is what is the most surprising thing that they announced for you this year? I would have said Kamigawa, but I think we all sort of knew that was coming. I mean, announced this year, 
you mentioned at the beginning of the episode, Lord of the Rings was an earlier announcement, but I think honestly, if I go back to like when that was actually announced, probably that's the answer. Like just because it feels like such a similar, but like very iconic to movies related thing, Mm -hmm. you know, D and D is amazing, but like, Lord of the Rings is like one of the most popular movie franchises ever. Like people swear by it. They like live by it. So it having a relationship to magic and and getting more details about that is a pretty big thing. I wouldn't call it surprising. It's just like, as I read more about it and talk more about it, it does feel like we're entering into a, a world that I guess five years ago, I just never thought we would, you know, mm-hmm. I used to reference it as, as a piece of reference, like as a piece of context, not as like, there will actually just be a Gandalf card. And that's kind of crazy now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think for me, the most surprising thing was the legality directions. Like, I, well, I guess, I guess it like the product that was a surprise was the Baldur's Gate, the second Dungeons and Dragons, like a, a Dungeons and Dragons set having so quickly after the first one happened and it being a Commander Legend set that's happening so quickly after the first one happened and then them being the same thing. Like all of that, I think, was like, oh, I had no idea that was coming. Um, that and like the fact that the Lord, the Lord of the Rings thing is going to be like a modern Masters 2 type of thing where it, it's going or modern Horizons 3 uh, where it's going directly in the modern, I think, is interesting. Um, but, yeah, that was kind of my big thing. Like a bunch of people were acting yesterday like, oh, my God, this is crazy. There's too much product or this is the sign that the pro tour is and like oh, this is this is a sign that magic isn't for me. And I was like, I don't think anything I saw yesterday was like, oh, that's weird. Like, like, a, like an end and like on top of that, there were things that were like commitments to old school magic. The fact that like a tournament magic, like Modern Horizons, the fact that the Lord of the Rings set is being printed in the modern feels like a, a commitment to tournament play or a paper play. Uh, the fact that we're getting the like Dominaria, a return to Dominaria again and the Brothers War. Like, I don't know how you were more old. Like, how? what is a more love letter to old school magic players? I mean, than I was confused about the fact that there was two different sets because, like, it seems unrealistic considering Magic's current design cycle that you would have both a return to the set that was a return to old Magic anyway. Like, that's what Dominaria was. It already started as a return to the thing that Magic used to be before we got creative with all these new things. Mm-hmm. And the Brothers War, which is just part of Dominaria. Like, it's right. just part of the same story. And it's back-to-back announcements. Yeah, and, and like, the world now feels like there's always going to be a, a November draft set. This year, it's Standard Legal with Innistrad. Last year, it was Commander Legends. Next year, it's going to be Baldur's Gate Commander Legends. There's always been a summer weird product this year it's going to be this year it was modern horizons next year it's gonna be lord of the rings i guess like there is the unglued set but the unglued audience is so specific we are talking about how you don't need to buy into all of this stuff ben won't (laughs) and he will lose nothing for never having touched an unglued card and that's true for a lot of this product you don't have to buy the secret layers you don't have to buy these things so that's kind of i think like the final thought on there is like there's this idea that there's a lot of product fatigue I don't think there's any like, yes, it's a continuation from what's going on. And maybe that is untenable, but I think segmenting it even further so that the audience are even wider apart from each other helps there. I think if your complaint was there's too much magic magic product for me this year, looks like there's a lot of magic product that you don't have to buy. Yeah, I think so. I think I think that of, of everything that got announced that we are talking about this week, there is not a lot of product that feels 
absolutely 100% essential to any particular Magic player. I think every one of these products has some some give in terms of like, what will I buy, which won't I buy? And I think that's a continuation of the strength of most of their last year of release, to be honest. I don't think that like Magic is good. I don't think, I don't think the old idea of every Magic product existing for every Magic player 100% is real anymore. I think like this is a, if I go to the grocery store and I see, this literally happened to me yesterday, in the Kit Kat section, <laughs> there's like nine kinds of Kit Kats. There's like Kit Kat, there's like a king size Kit Kat, there's a white chocolate Kit Kat, there's like Big Cat, right? Like I keep going, or Reese's, the same thing. I'm like, I would like to buy nine candy bars right now, right? I would like to. Number one, I don't really buy candy bars, but like I get hooked. But if I do, I'm not going to buy more than one, but I would like to buy nine of them. Sure. By the time I have the same experience of coming back to buy another one, there'll probably be another new one. And you'll have gotten rid of one of the old ones. Yeah. I won't ever get to go to the store and feel good about buying every single one. Like, because things are good in moderation. And like, I don't think that candy bars and magic sets are exactly equivalent, but like, the idea of good product design is just that. It always feels exciting and it always feels like there is an entire gigantic mountain of things you want to buy. I think I you think buy them all. Yeah, I think a good advice also for content creators, which I don't know a ton don't listen to this, but um is you don't have to review every product. I think I think like that was exhausting, right? I think and that's exhausting for audiences when like, oh, 50% of the videos that content creators are putting out is just the set reviews of every set that's coming out. That is exhausting. I will agree with that. Uh, but I, from the perspective of someone who had to do it, I was so excited when we only had to do one forgotten realm set. And I think like that makes life a lot easier. Um, if you just aren't always kind of grinding through that review process, I also think that there is a, yeah, I just like like it's it's you know not every magic product is for me, and that's okay. Yeah, like, I agreed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was true before, right? Like some people didn't like pirate plane, some people didn't like Egypt plane, but they're all standard planes. Now it's just like if I don't Lord of the Rings, I don't have to buy it. Sometimes my opponents might may, I might have to get some cards for tournament play, but like the other thing is tournament grinders are the people that have cared about the flavor of the world the least. Right. Like literally your eyes glazed over when I tried explaining what was going on with the Brothers War as someone who was excited by the concept at the very beginning of me mentioning that that's what we were doing. <laughs> I like literally I like literally tried to explain the like the Brothers War before you explained it. And I was wrong because like I am that out of touch with like this classic piece of magic because that's just how magic right. works. Like it, I thought that I knew, but. I don't, I have not paid attention to it. And and I, it feels like what they announced was a love letter to like every era of magic, right? We're getting Innistrad, we're getting Kamigawa, we're getting a Dominaria modern and Dominaria like old school 1994 magic. We're getting Time Spiled Remastered, we're getting Jumpstart, we're getting, you know, Lord of the Rings. Yes, we're getting Commander Legends. Like, I think we're just getting all of the stuff. And I think like the best thing for people is maybe finding ways to segment that and, and not having to jump all in. And like, even with commander, which is like the most played eternal format, a it's a casual format. You don't have to play with cards from every set. You just don't like you're you, there's nothing forcing me. Even if you play CDH, the format where like you have to play things, the amount of cards that are coming, going to come out next year that are playable in CDH is not going to be that high. So like, 
the majority of these cards aren't going to be an issue. I, I, I say just enjoy, like enjoy what you like. And if you don't like it, don't buy it. I think that's where we're at in the world. And I'm excited. I for think that. that's actually, a, I think that's actually like a, like a really healthy and really like sound recommendation and for it, anybody who has concerns. And it may be the title of this episode. <laughs> 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 it's like exactly in the movie point break when Brody turns to the camera and this is, this is the point break. And that's the title of the movie. It's, 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 it's Bodie. He does not say that. <laughs> he doesn't say that. All right. Uh, thank you so much, everyone, for watching. A big shout out to our patrons in general. A special thank you uh, to Patrick Davidson, who is in uh, the no is a noble of House Modern. He has donated to that higher T. Pinkies up to you, and thank you so much for being a part. Uh, and thank you, everyone else, for being a part of the community. Uh, make sure to check out every Monday night we do a live stream uh, tonight. If you're watching this on Monday, uh, we have MTG Girl and. Uh, casual Jake both from TikTok and Twitter and Magic and other content creation on it's going to be a great game um, and we have a bunch of other stuff in the coming down the line thank you so much for all the things thank you for commenting and hit that like button I'm sorry if you got the answer wrong 10 year anniversary but sorry, if you yeah. did get it right and you hit the like button anyways you're the real MVP uh, or like MV like patrons then you MVPs thank you so much for the likes um, and we'll talk to all you guys next week bye guys this has been a production of Time Traveler Media, sending podcasts into the future.